Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man on. He's a professor. He's also an author. His book is called The Virtue of Colorblindness. It's Andre Archie. Andre, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I'm just going to start with the, with the title of the book. You cannot be colorblind in this day and age. And here's why. If I say I don't see color, then I'm somehow stripping somebody of their ancestry. If I say I love people of all colors, now I'm trying to push everybody into a melting pot, stripping them of their ancestry. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that I don't see color. I'm colorblind. It doesn't matter to me what your ancestry is. What am I allowed to say in this day and age and not be canceled? Exactly. I mean, everyone's confused. And I mean, of course, we see people's color. I mean, but the, the issue is when we talk about people's color, we're not saying they're good or bad. What we do now is to say that people of color, blacks in particular, are victims and white people are victimizers. And so what we do is we assign a moral value to color. We're putting people in the boxes. And that's precisely what we did uh, it, with Pl- Plessy versus Ferguson. I mean, if yes. you think about separate but equal, that's exactly what we're doing. And the book is specifically addressed at those who promote the idea that to be colorblind is to be racist. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. And my book addresses that argument. It it argues against that idea head on. Good. And I appreciate you doing it. It's uh, The Virtue of Colorblindness. It's been out a little over a month. So go and get this book right now. So, so let's break that down even further. Recently on TikTok, I saw this viral video. Beautiful young woman, happened to be black. I don't call people people of colors because, uh, Andre, I've got a color too. I'm not like translucent. So um, the idea that there are specific people of color and BIPOC and all this other stuff doesn't make sense. It's another way for the left to separate us like they've always, uh, like they've always done in our country. But this young woman, beautiful young woman, has, has her hair doing something. And a coworker says, oh man, your hair looks great. That's different than it was yesterday, right? She stops the woman, thank you, but please don't say that. Don't talk about my hair. I'm a black woman. You don't talk about a black woman's hair. Now, maybe I'm stupid, but if I change my hairdo, and you and I are buds, and you see that I changed my hairdo, and I show up tomorrow, and you say, hey, dude, you're doing something different with your hair? What am I going to say? I'm Southern Italian. How dare you? Who do you think you are, Andre? You can't tell. You know what I mean? It's just the level of stupidity, but I think you had nailed it a minute ago. This woman, this young woman, beautiful young woman who just changed her hair, maybe like she changes her clothes and, and goes to work in the same place every day, literally told a coworker, because of my ancestry, because of the fact that you're the oppressor and I'm the oppressed, you can't talk about my hair. H- how, do you, how do you combat that when you've got a, an entire generation, it seems, that are completely indoctrinated to, to believe they're the victims and we're the victimizers? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, 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 you really capture something there. And I've seen I've seen these I've seen anecdotes of these sorts of things happening all over. But but what we have to do is we have to be courageous. I mean, that coworker should have gotten her face and said, hey, wait a minute. I'm just making an observation about your hair. It wasn't like that yesterday. This has nothing to do with your ethnicity or your race. And so what a lot of Americans do, really what a lot of white Americans do is to become passive when they get into these discussions or, or, or they're confronted with these sorts of individuals who basically want to stifle any sort of discussion regarding, you know, relations between Americans. They want to say that, you know, of course we see race, but they do that for the sake of power. They do that for the sake of trying to sort of freeze a person's agency. Yes. And that's exactly what they do when, when, when they address uh, young uh, uh, black uh, children. They say the system is rigged against you. And so it sort of robs them of agency. And so what's happening in the public square is any sense of agency regarding, you know, freedom, liberty, it, it, it's, it's stifled because it's all sort of covered by this talk of race and how to be colorblind is to be racist. And so I think it's, 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 we have to stand up and we have to speak 
out against this this racism. Basically, that's what it is. Are they trying to cancel you because you wrote, you dared write the book? Uh, they're they're not trying to cancel me. My department is a good department, good intellectually diverse, and so uh, going forward, we'll see. But so far, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm good for the department, right? You know, I mean, oh, I, no, I, 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 I take. I don't mean in employment necessarily. I mean uh, in social media. I mean in in you know general divisive and divided America. Are they saying, well, hold on a second, Andre, you're you're a black guy. Why? why how dare you? Why aren't you? On oh yeah, our yeah. Side? No, I, I I get some of that, but I mean okay. I, I'm equipped to, to get in people's faces. I mean I have the arguments. I mean I I, I think that they, they don't have a good argument, so it doesn't bother me much. You know, and I I hope a lot more people will act like that. That's how I live. Um, when somebody says I'm a racist, they don't really mean that. They mean I'm a conservative. They want me to shut up. Um, right, right. Uh, when they say I'm a racist, they need me to shut up because I'm talking to Andre Archie and you and right. I are getting along fine. And I get along fine with Ben Carson, my other friends. So it, it, at the end of the day, they need us to not do this because those who want to be the monarchs and the controllers, and tell me if you think I'm right about this, would like to divide us so they could tell you, hey, Andre, Pags hate you because look at his skin tone. Hey, Pags, Andre hates you because I remember this. Hey, Hispanics, the, the Asians hate you because that. And if you divide all of us, you can tell us whatever narrative you want as long as you get the votes and, and you keep the power. Oh, yeah. If I, if I can make you self-conscious as a person, as a white person, I have power over you. Yes. And this is exactly what we're seeing in, in higher education. We see it in the primary and secondary levels. But if you, if you, if you have power over someone, you can do as, as many things as you want. And that's precisely what we have. We have sort of a passive population. They might be good-hearted, but a, path, a passive population in which to call someone racist, you sort of freeze them. They freeze. Their agency becomes just unable to express itself. And that's precisely where they want you to be, because at that point, they can do all sorts of things. And again, this whole diversity industry is, is a product of that mentality. And our lives, really, and if you have kids in school or in college, or the workplace, corporate America, but these environments have been taken over by this diversity mentality and the fact that if you disagree with it, you're racist. That's what we have to stand up against. Professor Andre Archie, PhD. He is also an author. The name of the book is The Virtue of Colorblindness. The Virtue of Colorblindness. Let me, let me try to break down what we're seeing in urban areas in this country today. We know that black people in America have been voting for Democrats since the 1930s and 40s. It's not since the 60s. It's not since the Civil Rights Act. They did it because they believed that, uh, that um, um, uh, FDR was literally going to include them in the, in the New Deal. He didn't. He left them out. He left out, social, he left out workers that were hotel workers. And, and the, the jobs that were done by Hispanics and blacks generally, he left out on purpose to make the, so, the Southern Democrats happy. But black people said, I'm told my economy will get better if I vote for the, for the left or for the blue or for the Democrats. They held their nose and they did so. For generations before that, they were all Republicans and conservatives. So it's been 100 years now that blacks have been voting Democrat. And the Democrats have literally made the, the path and plight of black people in America worse exponentially. I mean, for, for many, they don't think they have any opportunity. They don't think it's their America. They think they need another national anthem. So it hasn't worked. Andre, will, will those who have been, who, who were cajoled to vote for Democrats because it would make them better, will they wake up now and say it hasn't worked? And maybe we should stop doing that because black people I, I, generally I, are more conservative than they're liberal. I hope, I hope that happens. And I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm, I, I get down about it because I don't understand why the majority of black Americans still vote Democrat. It doesn't make any sense at all. If you look at any metric, especially when it comes to the family, I think the policies of the Democrats have been awful in terms of the, the African-American family. And, and in fact, when, when you look at 
that 70% of black children are born to single uh, parents, you start to see why this discussion in the public square is so racialized. Because a lot of these young black children are susceptible to those arguments. Why? Because they don't come from solid families. Not all, but a lot. They come from families that are broken. And so that makes them susceptible to these very ideas that we're trying to fight against. The other thing that it does is they look to government. Yes. Government is government, dead. It's, it, 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 exactly. And, and, and that has to change. Otherwise, African-Americans, blacks will continue to vote for Democrats. The Virtue of Colorblindness is the name of the book. I went there because at the same time I'm watching young black people rob en masse in Chicago and L.A. and Philadelphia. They're doing that because, as you said, somebody has raised them to think, you're, you've gotten the short end of the stick, and you should go and get yours. And if you do go and get yours, you've got a mayor like Brandon Johnson, the Marxist, in Chicago that will somehow make an excuse for you. Don't call them mobs. Call them groups of young people. You're not helping anybody. There's no discipline. There's no sort of moral guide other than the government that says, I'll take care of you doing everything. We're not helping anybody by turning a blind eye, letting them get away with petty larceny because they're going to turn out to be the murderers later on. And it's not inherent in a black person or an Italian person or, a, or an Asian person to be something characteristically in their actions. That's learned. So um, again, I love your book. I love that we're talking about it. Are we making uh, our way through? Are, are we getting to be like when you see Ice Cube go, you know, I don't know that the Democrats are looking out for me. When you see Snoop Dogg say after he had a music video where he was pretend assassinating Trump the other day, he said, I kind of like Trump. I'm looking at Trump. I mean, yeah, are people yeah. waking up? I, I think people are waking up. But I mean, I think that, you know, the numbers are small, but it's, start, it's starting to happen. And I think that, you know, with this election coming up, the presidential election, I think you're going to see some things, especially within the uh, African-American community. I don't know what the numbers will be. But, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the average black person sees what's happening. They see the Democrats. They see what Democratic leaders say. Right. And they're so patronizing toward black Americans, very patronizing. So if you vote for uh, Republicans or if you're, 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 you're right of center, uh, you're not considered to be black or you're not authentic. And so that Crazy. mentality is starting to change, and, or at least the perception of seeing things as, as it is, that's starting to change. And so I'm hoping with this election, we start to see something different. It's uh, Andre Archie. Go and get his book. It's called The Virtue of Colorblindness. The Virtue of Colorblindness. I, I'm sure you've seen this on the North. Oh, great. Yeah, show it, please. I'll, I'll, yeah. Put, I'll put it full screen. It's excellent. Um, Go yeah. and get this book. It's it's super. Uh, it's a little bit of a delay. That's why we're, we're missing each other. But either way, go and get this book. I wanted to ask you about the north and south sides of Chicago. They are being very vocal. Very, very vocal. And they've literally said, if Trump comes here, we will vote for him. Because they're done. Andre, is the problem at the border that was caused by Biden's executive orders and changing policies, is that going to be the cause of the sea change? Is that the line in the sand for black Americans who are seeing in New York City, Eric Adams is handing $1,000 a month if you're an illegal alien in New York City, whereas there are homeless people in New York City and there are black people that are suffering and Hispanics and others suffering in New York City. Is this the issue? I, I, I hope it is. I mean, it's not just in Chicago or New York, but even here in Denver. Yes. I mean, you know, every week, I mean, it was 300, 300 illegals every week enrolling in DPS, Denver Public Schools. The budget was one point. Uh, the, it was one point seven million, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, okay. and it was going up each week, and it, it it basically surpassed what was budgeted for DPS. So it was one point seven three three weeks ago. I, I I mean I can't imagine what it is now, but right. you're you're getting 
hundreds of illegals in the, into DPS. And who does it affect? It affects working class children, both white and black. Of course. And, and we don't have the resources. We're starting to make budget cuts precisely because even the homeless are being kicked out of shelters to, to take care of the, the illegals. So I, I, I think this might be the galvanizing issue for the country as a whole, because yeah. we're starting to see this in the interior of the United States, not just at the border, but in the interior. And that's problematic. But you know what? The fact that it's nationalized, that's going to be helpful because people are waking up. I hope they continue to wake up. I really think this is the the uh, watershed issue because there are communities that are just not being served. And you mentioned several of them. Veterans were kicked out of their, their old age homes in New York City because of this. And at the end of the day, you've got people who could really use those services. As long as we have, this is just my opinion, as long as we have even one homeless person on the street, we shouldn't be giving anybody who's illegally coming here anything, not a dime. And, and, and hopefully people are waking up. The virtue of colorblindness, his name is uh, Andre Archie. It's been out for about a month. I want to talk about Dr. King quickly. I believe truly that he was a conservative. I don't think that he would have said he was a Republican. He did say some things where he seemed to be aligned with people who are more radical in other speeches, but the speech that we always go to is very, very simple. My children should get the equal opportunity they were promised. The, the, the government sent us the check. It came back non-sufficient funds. At some point, we've got to ignore our heritage and our ancestry and just judge people by the content of their character, and then we can all enjoy the same promises from the founders. That's all he wanted. He didn't want revenge. I think Obama brought revenge mentality. Uh, he didn't want, uh, we've got to now do better for 200 years, better than whites. What he said was, give me the same shot. And, and those today on the left think they can co-opt him. And they're doing the exact opposite. What do you think? Yeah, you can't you can't believe in MLK and what he stood for and and Kindyism, you know, Ibram yeah. X Kindy, anti-racism. And so people try to have it both ways. And so that's why I simply focus on the idea of colorblindness. And Martin Luther King Jr. captured that. And he's not he's not the sole author of that idea. I mean, he's he's sort of a he's a part of a tradition in which Frederick Douglass really captured the nature of what it is to be colorblind. Yes. And not only Frederick Douglass, but the Western philosophical tradition. So in the book, I, I trace this idea of colorblindness through the Western philosophical tradition to Frederick Douglass. Then, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. really characterizes it in a way that that was revolutionary. And whatever Martin Luther King Jr. believed after that, or, or if he went in a radical direction, perhaps. But I'm simply focused on the idea, the powerful idea that's captured both there in his speech as well as in the Declaration of Independence. And so I think those two go hand in hand, but you can't believe in MLK and what he argued for in terms of colorblindness and kindyism. You just can't do it. Doc, if you don't mind, show us the book again. It is called The Virtue of sure. Colorblindness. The Virtue of Colorblindness. His name is Andre Archie, PhD. He's a professor. He's an author. This book has been out for about a month. Go and get this. Uh, let, me, let me finish with this. Do you reject the idea of microaggressions the, that they even exist or cultural appropriation? And I bring that up because in college campuses, as you said, race or, or people of color have been weaponized in their language. There's a piece of video that I saw a couple of years ago where a young, beautiful black woman who's standing there with jeans on and, and a shirt that might have been originated in Italy, and she's yelling at a white kid who's got dreadlocks that he's somehow culturally appropriating. Now, she's speaking English, which I guess is not her ancestral language. Uh, she's wearing jeans which I don't think people made in, in Congo or, or in Kenya. So the idea that he was culturally appropriating and she was standing in America yelling at him about it blew my mind because 
You can wear dreadlocks if you want. I don't care. You can wear jeans if you want. You can speak whatever language you want. But she really felt she was on the high uh, the high moral ground, and he was stealing from her. H- how do you react to that? Do you reject all that? No, that yeah, it's silly. I mean, we're mm-hmm. Americans. I mean, we're borrowing and, and taking from one another. I, yes. I love Mexican food. I love Italian food. How dare and, you? <laughs> and, and I teach ancient Greek philosophy. I mean, nice. am I supposed to only teach... Uh, I don't know, African philosophy or African-American philosophy. It's ridiculous. So again, I mean, when you're confronted with those sorts of people, you got to get in their face and say, wait a minute, what you're saying doesn't make sense. But what happens typically is we, we become passive. And, and it's at that point that they start, they start predominating, those, that sort of mentality and those yes. sorts of people. We have to stand our ground and say, you're racist. What it, what it means to be American is to be colorblind. This whole idea of a, a cultural appropriation makes no sense whatsoever. It's a compliment yeah. to, to borrow or to, to, you know, take people's culture, you know, you cook. It, it, it's, it's, it's a compliment. It's not racism. Of course it isn't. It is uh, The Virtue of Colorblindness is the book, The Virtue of Colorblindness. Andre Archer, PhD. He's a professor. He's uh, also a great author of this book that I want you to go and get right now. Andre, come back on again. I really enjoyed this. I will. That was fun. Great questions. Thank you, Joe. All right, my man. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Really enjoyed having Professor Archie on the program. Great book. Make sure you go and get it. We've got time for some pop culture. Dirty pop. Yo. We lost you just in time, Polo. That's awesome. Yeah, of course. Uh, of all times for my dad to call, he's he's calling right now. <laughs> What's yeah. going on, dude? So okay, so I don't know how people are going to take this, but today I guess Travis Kelsey was asked if Taylor Swift will make it to the Super Bowl, and he said he's unsure if she'll be able to make it. So, Well, wasn't she performing in Japan or something that day? Right, and I, and I saw these other stories where it was going to be next to impossible to get her plane, her jet, I guess, uh, to to land anywhere near there because all the, the, the spots were going to be theater. taken up. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, well, so it'll be interesting. Polo, she's going to be there. Come on. This is <laughs> starting some drama that isn't necessary. Right? That's Polo, that's Sam, that's Carrie, and Joe. Say bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.